and welcome to the Dad and Sons podcast. I'm your starting host for this week, Liam. Joined with me, as always, are my lovely sons and fathers, also possibly mothers and daughters, Matt Visual and George Beedman. Hey, hey, hey. Howdy, partner. How's it going, boys? How we doing? <laughs> Good. We can see each other. <laughs> we can see each other, which for after- an audio feature <laughs> is not great. <laughs> after after last week's streamed episode, we decided to try and, and use our webcams even when we're not featuring them because this way we can we can know when we're talking so we don't talk over each other. Yeah, we can dial up the chemistry. So if it, if it sounds different or it's worse, then blame Skype. Just blame Skype. Yeah, blame it's Skype. It's not our fault. Don't blame me, the editor. <laughs> For those who cannot see him, yes... George is wearing a Metal Gear Solid t-shirt. Yes. On on yes. the one day where we happen to use webcams on the podcast, I happen to be wearing a Metal Gear shirt. I, I guess that's some wild coincidence. He does also have a trilby behind him, but the less we say about that, the better. <sighs> Liam, you're forgetting that you can actually see him on the keyboard now. <gasps> that is true! I can watch you like a hawk. <laughs> Well, how can I segue us from topic to topic with smooth, elucidated language without being able to scroll around and, and, and press buttons on the on the outline? <laughs> Is Liam frozen? <laughs> Liam's frozen. Oh my god, you guys! Oh, there we go. Skype's already fucked up. <laughs> okay, well, the people the people listening to it with audio are are, are not going to know that, so we should probably keep the the visual hijinks to a. Uh, respectable <laughs> minimum. <laughs> he, he was frozen in place. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, mm, back to mm. it. <laughs> we, we have uh, we have a few topics that we have all. But starting this week, we uh, we went out to the Twitterverse as always, reached oh. out globally, worldwide, uh, to ask the lovely listeners of this show. Um, Another tweet question you can get at us, depending on who tweets it out per week. But this week, I tweeted it out, and it was uh, with the uh, the Game Awards. The, you know, our one night of the year as gamers to rise up and dominate <laughs> oh. the, the media space. The oh. Keeley's Bonanza. Uh, tell us, what's your game of the year? But tell us in three words why. So we had... Uh, we had hundreds of responses to this question, and a lot of them were great. But I'm just going to straight up start with my first, the first one that almost came across me, which is still my favorite, which is from Bud3K Fire Emblem Three Houses. Fuck your students. <laughs> wow. Is, is that a thing that you can do? <gasps> yeah. Like, wow. Isn't it? I mean, you can, like. <laughs> Take them to tea and stuff. Oh, okay. Take them to tea. <laughs> All right. It's what the kids calling the, calling it these days, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I, in my day, it was hot coffee. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> back, back when I was in high school, that was that was what having friends in video games led to. Oh, George, man. don't tell us about your dirty past yet. <laughs> Just keep that in your bedroom. From uh. Yeah. Hideo Kojima, but way smarter and co. Disco Elysium. Communism will win. 
I wish I had more commentary. I'm getting to it, like, either this or next week, I promise, guys. Uh, well, if you're so still you talking about Death Stranding for, like, ten minutes, you'd be okay. We will this podcast. No. So, the, the idea is that in Disco Elysium has less of a morality system than, like, which political faction you get involved with. And apparently one of them just straight up is communists. Didn't the, didn't the developers of Disco Elysium quote, like, Marx... And stuff at the Game Awards when they won the, the narrative <laughs> award? If there is an actual in-game communist party, it would make sense. <laughs> uh, from AK Cola the Doctor. The Outer Worlds. Capitalism. In space! Which is most So space. you got a, something for everyone at the side of the Thanksgiving arguments this uh this year, yeah, there's a lot. You know? There's a lot of variety in what people's uh, game games of the year are. If Not- if you find your society polarized by differing thoughts on economic ideologies, there's a game for you. <laughs> <laughs> From Garan Winter, Death Stranding. It's not Sekiro. <laughs> you know what? He's not wrong. Or she. He's not wrong. That, He's technically correct. Yeah. That's definitely. And I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we don't, we don't need to from, hear uh, your sex tape live on the air with, with Hideo Kojima, okay? <laughs> we, don't, we don't need. <laughs> I think I it's see less George's of a. I, I know, I'm looking at George's really sad face. is kind of off putting. It's less. It's. It's less of a sex tape and more of a, like, blackmail hidden microphone. <laughs> he's definitely he's definitely got something Kinky. on you, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely a Kojima fan, I'll give you that, but I feel like I was kind of roped into it for, for, for job purposes, more so than it would have happened naturally. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's, like, full-on passionate, I initiated the sex sex tape. It's, it's a little more complicated than mm. that. <laughs> yeah, humans are complicated, and I'm a human. Don't simplify me. Don't don't diminish my human experience, you're guys. A, you're a biking human, a man who bikes. They're like Vikings, but far more B- lamer. Biking, I, you said biking or Viking? Yeah, biking. I'm biking. Right? We're, we're like, just be... like Vikings, but, like but Vikings. gentler and, and kind, kinder. And so, uh, a lot of people responded with the game of the year, which is Sekiro, no doubt. Uh, lots of different puns. Stuff like uh, Daniel Parr, who says, Sekiro, shadows die. Nice. Nice and simple. G-Stick says, Sekiro, mash, parry, pray. Right. Which I can agree with. Right. That's how I remember it. I remember once you got past, after a while. Switch that last boss. Thoracu says, Sekiro, Neo, but good. I remember people being okay with Neo. I remember playing the demo and thinking it looked nice. Oh, that's right. That game. I always wanted to try it. Huh. But you played Sekiro, so do you need to? Uh, probably <laughs> not. I don't They're need another hard one, right? game in my life. I'm good. Sekiro is they make, Quinn Sethers. Yeah. They, they're making a second Neo, like Neo 2. I think it comes out early next year. So Isn't it already out? Neo 2? Really? I mean, it could be. Sekiro kind of shot all over there. Th- Stick. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, we got XP Cake who says, Babber is you. Game is good. Did any of us play Babber is you? I no, because of, I'm. Uh, There's so many games this year. So many small that, games that, this year. 
There's and a, and we, 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 we just have like two, three weeks until we're going to try to wrap everything up. And in that time, I'm going to try to be cramming in some stuff. Unfortunately, Bob is not on the list, and that makes me sad. Mm. Yeah, I'll I, do some cramming as well, uh, actually. I'm going to be doing um, um, Disco Elysium for sure. Um, Joe, if I, I can see you clicking. It, <laughs> I know, and I'm thinking about about my list like i still have that outer wilds code that we didn't actually give to anyone during I, the streaming what was, episode. what was that for it was it was for pc xbox uh, one which is why no one why. ended up I, I want god damn it i want to play it i do i actually want to go back that is like the one game i think i haven't played from this year that i definitely should you should play it it's good okay, see, uh, and i yeah, hate we need, we need to games. cram we need that week uh. outer wilds is appearing a lot in the in our twitter feedback yeah, as well this is Jules, good. <laughs> julesy says outer wilds existential nightmare fun yes Yes. That sounds like my kind of fun. I, I was going to say that that's going to give George nightmares, truly, just even the words existential nightmare fun. I, I have so much fun with my existential nightmares, though. That's my whole personality. <laughs> there, there has been no game this year that has given me such anxiety as Outer Wilds, man. Like, just. <laughs> you're just sitting okay. there, just like, oh no! <laughs> this is happening. You just don't know what's okay, to expect. Okay, I need to. I need, a, I need to play this on my lunch, don't I? It's I need so to play good. This. Uh, Chris Sanchez says, "Sayonara, Wild Hearts, Rhythmic Sword Breakup." Yeah. I missed a lot of games this year. Oh, uh, because it's because the songs are are, is there, are they like breakup lyrics? They're well, it's kind of about hearts and breaking up and stuff. Oh, <laughs> no, Wild Hearts is appearing quite a quite a quite a few times. I feel like I need to go back and play that with a controller because when I played it on iOS Touch, the controls were bad. They were not good. It was <laughs> that. Yeah, it was it was kind of off putting. So I feel like I need to go back and play that as well. That that is actually on my crams list. By the time we do the game awards, I should have some time in that logged. I think it's pretty short, but we'll see. Uh, you says Devil May Cry Five, bang bang bang. All right. All these policies are over my head. <laughs> Tadano says Smash Ultimate. Is that from this year? Mm-mm. Does that count? Mm-mm. Very late 2018, wasn't it? It was in the yeah. Game Awards this year because it was after last year's show, but only barely. Oh, okay. Because I gave it my Game of the Year last year, didn't I? I thought I did. Well, they gave it the best fighting game of the year. Oh. It's a fighting game, Liam. Yeah, that won the Same. award. It's official it's a now. Fighting I can't, game, I Liam. Can't, I can't work <laughs> under these conditions. <laughs> the the Federal Bureau of Genre Enforcement has prescribed it the fighting game tag. You can't argue now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Keely, the, official. The, Keely, the god, no, the man who decides genre, the man who decides everything about video games, has spoken. Well, the only one who am I to question? Real talk. Can you imagine a discussion in the back rooms between Game Award judges over whether or not they should nominate Smash for that category? <laughs> it just—it se- seems redundant to me. Like it's—it's it's a game where all you do is fight everyone. I would love to see the judges for the Game Awards. Like, can you imagine if it's somebody like David Cage and like Yu Suzuki, and they're like. Super Smash Brothers, fighting game or not? <laughs> Supposedly, it's video game journalists, which I bet would be even worse. 
uh, from Ryan, Hero of Time. Uh, he says, Kingdom Hearts 3, Sora, Donald, Goofy. Oh, that works. I can almost... I mean, I, I, I don't. I don't know about the game he picked, stain. but <laughs> <clears throat> the flip sides, Untitled Goose Game, Honk Honk Honk. Nice. <laughs> I actually played that this week. <gasps> mm-hmm. Yeah, Ooh. it was a small game. I could I could fit it in between, like you know, hanging out with my sister. Like it was a it was a very short, easy game. This is what I thought it was, which it should be. And it was good. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, George, maybe you'll be you'll know more about this one. Love Knife says Hypnospace Outlaw stand with Gooba, Goopa. So uh, Hypnospace Outlaw includes a, a hilarious sub story in which the internet loses its nuts over a little fish named Goober and how you have to enforce copyright takedowns from from Goober's IP holders. Against weird goober fan pages, and it causes like a goobergate scandal. That's what that's all about. Anyways, it's, that it's, pretty it's, good. It's, a, it's a funny game that I don't think enough people are talking about this time as they like round up the funniest, weirdest games of this year full of weird, fun, surprisingly polished stuff. Weird. I think I can talk about it now, like doing the IGF stuff, but like I don't think Hypnospace Outlaw was in the IGF either, which was a big surprise considering it's like one of the highly rated indie games of this year. I could be wrong, though. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm surprised with how little uh, press it's been getting since launch. I think it sold really well, though, so I don't know. Take the rough with the smooth, I guess. Um, I guess. And I guess we'll finish with uh, Jose Enrique, which says, Resident Evil 2, beaten 16 times. <laughs> I feel like I'm surprised at how much Resident Evil 2 is standing out in people's, like, uh... Game of the Year lists. Why? Just because it's a remake? I mean, it's amazing, right? We all, all three of us loved it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. it. it yeah. It's no doubt like one of the, the best looking games this year. Design wise, it's really good. But it's a remake, right? Has a remake ever come up as like one of the Game of the Years before? Yeah, I mean, it is a remake, so I, I, I would say it's relatively new. I just but imagine like. Resident Evil Shadow of the Colossus, wasn't that. Was like, that getting for, some VGA nominees last year? I feel year? like it's weird because that Shadow of the Colossus remake like came and went. Like it just came along, and, and people were like, it sticks. Oh, it sticks a- out in, in my mind because I made a pretty cool video. Wait, it was a remake? Was it or was it like an enhanced one? No, it was a full, no. They, they, no. they made a Shadow of the Colossus remake. Wait, what? Yeah. They did Blue the Point remaster. Did they did the remaster of Ico and uh, Shadow of the Colossus for PS3. And then they Blue Point Games, who are like one of the best port masters in the world, like they did a full on remake of Shadow of the Colossus last year. And it's a good remake too. Yeah, it's, uh, but it does feel oh. like it just came and went. Like it came, and then it went. Not I think sure one of the other aspects to that too is that everyone kind of discovered Shadow of the Colossus might have been a lot more simpler than they remembered. Oh. It's kind of the point, but there is not a lot going on to keep you engaged into the long tail of of that product's lifespan like games nowadays are built for. Hmm. I'm not sure, yeah. It did feel weird. Um, this year was good for games. I mean, we, uh, the three of us are going to get on to that talk. The, the Dad this- Awards... <laughs> Later. Yeah, this episode this episode is us gonna be like t- 
talking shit about movies and TV for <laughs> an uncommon but not that uncommon distraction. Yeah, but this this episode oh boy. is not the Dad Awards. We're going to do some other stuff. We're capping off a decade of video games as well. One of probably, you know, the most influential gaming de- decades ever. So many gaming trends have come out the woodwork. So we'll talk about that later. But today, boys, it's about TV and movies. Namely, ones that take place in space and a TV show based on a video game. So I I guess we're in the wheelhouse of what we are known for. <laughs> what are we? I... I... <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I'm known for not being able to suspend my disbelief. One of the things that, that could not escape my mind throughout both the hype cycle and watching the latest Star Wars movie is that I do not believe any of of the grandstanding over this being a final movie. Like, yeah. I am sure there's going to be more after this. The final always... scene, like, no no spoilers <laughs> yet, but the final scene, if, if nobody thought that was, like, setting up... Yeah. For a, a, a new trilogy in, like, whatever, how many years, five years or whatever, and let all the, you know, the Obi-Wan TV show come out, the Mandalorian and the Rogue Ones and blah, blah, blah. And then to have, like, a new main series is, like, is just yeah. doesn't understand how money works. Yeah. Because that final scene is put there so you can have a new trilogy sometime in the future. Yeah. I think because of this... The saturation and how long Star Wars has been around, like, I can only really get into it if it's meta-aware and weird. <laughs> uh, the, the whole while, like, I'm keeping in the back of my head, like, it's 2019. Superman has died and come back how many times now? Yeah. Uh, no one in the X-Men, the, the, the titular, like, core crew of, of eight to ten X-Men, that franchise tends to fall around, never permanently die. James Bond's never really gonna die in any of those movies. But the the, the difference is, the difference with those is you can actually kill them via shitty movies. So, for example, the Fantastic Four (laughs) will never live again. X-Men, after the most recent X-Men movies, it's gonna be a rough ride for them to come back. You know, Green Lantern... Can you imagine them making another Green Lantern movie? But Ooh, there are some well, yeah. movies that you you just can't come back from. So you can back. die, but it's in a metaphysical kind of way. Back in the nineties, <laughs> you also were not allowed to kill off mainline Star Wars characters in the expanded universe. But eventually, they did pick one to die off. So in this new movie that we all just saw, where no one ever really dies, it just felt such like a cop out to me. Like I don't know how they can. It feels like because of of that, the stakes are so much lower when watching pop culture media these days. Yes, it's why you I know don't that, like that... Marvel movies that are not the Avengers because you know everything will be fine and nobody's gonna die, and the stakes are so low it's hard to watch. You're just like, well, and the franchise pointless. These franchises have been around for like forty half a century. They have seen five generations of kids have grown up on Star Wars that it, it feels like the movies don't have stakes anymore. To me, at least this one we just watched through with... with uh, I, I don't know. I, I would agree and disagree with you in the sense that I feel like this is more like a TV show coming to an end kind of feeling than it is like at the Lord of the Rings, for example, where it's a set 
beginning end for like a cast of characters. This is like generations mm. of characters as well as, you know, us going through our ages of understanding Star Wars and stuff. It's not quite nine movies of Marvel a year levels of I don't give a shit. Yeah. But it's Star Wars, you know, it's exciting. It doesn't come along that often until like five years ago where we started getting all of this Star Wars content, which I feel like has done detrimental to The Rise of Skywalker coming out because everybody can watch The Mandalorian every week or they can see Solo or Rogue One and watch Star Wars Rebels and all this kind of stuff that... We're not actually starved of Star Wars content. So if Rise of Skywalker was a mediocre movie, but there was not that much Star Wars content about, and it had the revelations that, that we can talk about in a bit because they're the fucking worst oh, thing in the world. God. If they had oh, those revelations, yeah. it would make that movie like 10 times better for a lot of people. But because there's just so much <laughs> Star Wars going on all the time right now, yeah, the fact that it is a very mediocre movie... And it has problems. Doesn't really help. Yeah, like, I, I thought about it myself. There are exceptions to that statement in The Mandalorian. There are a few scenes in The Mandalorian where I was genuinely, genuinely worried about some new characters they introduced dying off. But in the <laughs> realm of these big mainline movies where they're the 40-year-old characters, yeah, you, you, you know that everyone's going to at least come back as a ghost later on in it's the next so, movie. It's, it's, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, why don't I care so much about some of the most famous popular characters in media's death? Like, Luke's death in The Last Jedi didn't make me feel anything. I don't know if it's because the way it's presented. Because they do it so or... dumbly. He just disappears but, into the Force. Like, that's so I dumb. It's also because it's fake. It's not real, but and they so can do Obi-Wan. anything. And when you first saw Obi-Wan disappear into the, you know, the, the ether of the Force, you were like, oh, Obi-Wan! Well, you were also a child! Yeah, because, like, back then watching it, you're like, that's, like, the first time it's happened. Now everyone does it. Now everyone's just disappearing into the Force. <laughs> I will admit. To <laughs> okay, can we just talk, can we, can, we, can we put the cap on now? Obviously, all three of us are having issues with this movie that we would like to discuss. <laughs> This is this is it. This is your five second warning. Spoilers are happening. Skip to the whatever timestamp George sets up. Hopefully he doesn't muddle it up and it's right in the middle of <laughs> spoilers. And it looks like we're forecasted to have about 23 more minutes of spoilers dripping down the panhandle here. If you'd like to skip those on your daily commute, then go ahead and switch over to the 45 minute mark. Back to you, Okay. Everyone does. When Ben Solo died... <laughs> When Kylo Ren died for the fourth thousand time and he became part of the Force was, like, the biggest cheapening of that idea. If Le- it, Like, it happens with Leia as well, but for some reason her body stays there for a while. She dies and then her body stays there for ages and then at the same time as Ben, they both disappear into the Force. The rapture happened. How do you not... Ha- <laughs> like, consistency is, like, one of the, the, the problems with... Media and pop culture is sometimes it's hard to do. It's is exactly as George says, which is it's hard to suspend your disbelief if there's a lot of inconsistency. For Forty years, and the more and more stuff you make in your franchise, that just opens up more and more opportunities for inconsistencies and plot holes as the decades you, go on. We saw this happen with Metal Gear in, yeah. in twenty years, <laughs> and everyone's like really surprised it's happening with Star Wars over the course of forty years. You can have new things happen. The problem is you can't make a movie 
That is all new things happening and never do any of the old. You can't have healing force powers that have never been used before well, apart from ba- baby one, Yoda in the Mandalorian. Like, you can't do that. This this one also has a lot of weirdly misplaced nostalgia. Like the new trilogy in general, a lot of very weirdly used nostalgia for the OT. Like the last three shots of this movie are something that characters should know or care nothing about that... <laughs> just comes out of nowhere really, really fast. I, I don't, we're, yeah. we're past the spoiler point, so remember when it shows the shot of her walking in front of the two sons, like in yeah, A New Hope when Luke moves. walks in front of the two... Yeah, yeah. Like, how does she know about Luke's old house on Tatooine? Why does she bury Leia's lightsaber there? Leia never lived there. <laughs> why, why would Leia want to have her, her lightsaber buried there? The force. It's because of us. It's because the audience. That shot 40 years ago where Luke walks in front of the two sons was an iconic, amazing shot and in it, cinema history. It sets up so, a new trilogy <sighs> 10 years from now. Uh, Four sensitive users who find those lightsabers in the dirt sets up a new trilogy. Also, she has to say it. She has to say Ray Skywalker because she can't finish the movie by being Ray Palpatine. Oh, I was hoping she said Palpatine. I was really hope. So who are you? <laughs> Apparently, Ray Palpatine. You know Do you know what? I found out in the last ten minutes that I'm really proud of my ancestry of being an evil Sith Lord. <laughs> now, now I'm gonna go and conquer the galaxy. Apparently, now your your parents and your midichlorians matter. When in the last movie, <laughs> it, they didn't. All right. Since we're talking about Ben dying, like every time someone dies and goes into the Force, like. It's just like this hard cut scene. Like it, it just cuts to whatever's happened next. Like no one cares, right? So I when know, Ray did it's it, it's so annoying. So Ray, when 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 some uh, you know Romeo and Juliet thing happened with Ray and Ben, he dies or goes it's, into oh. the force, and she's like, "Okay, time to go." And then she just gets into a plane and then flies off yeah. like like nothing, like nothing. To, to Tatooine to bury lightsabers that shouldn't be buried no, on Tatooine. Yeah, there was a whole, you know, yeah, celebration she goes back to the, at the, yeah. like they always do. And then, oh yeah, yeah, where you get to see the Ewoks party. Yeah, yeah that was kind of nice. The, the one thing I will say about this trilogy <laughs> that for all of its problems, I actually think the Rey and Ren arcs, because they're very intertwined, they're both children of some of the most legendary characters in in the universe, right? They are like the descendants of that. So it's really hard to create these new characters and then follow them through to the end. I do think even though so much junk is crowbarred in in this last movie to basically rewrite The Last Jedi, um, like yeah. the Palpatine thing is, a, is literally just a, a, a line in the text crawl at the start of the movie which is so egregiously bad filmmaking so anyway. bad. It's so they bad. Nowhere, nowhere. Kylo Ren is all of a sudden searching yeah. for him. Like, it's, it's, what? it's so bad. What, what, how did he hear his voice? Like, what, what, is, what is happening? Pal- he was never even what the coolest What is happening right villain. now? I, I, I saw it. I was it, like, it, no. It's, and it's not bad. It's, I actually really like, in my head, when I try and convince myself about this movie, I really like the idea that Rey is Palpatine's granddaughter. Yeah. Let alone the questions of, who the fuck was Palpatine fucking having Netflix and chill with that he ended up having a daughter uh, or a son who then 
had a granddaughter. Like this is that, you know, the, the Sith Lord of the Universe is somehow just boning some chicks and making some prodigy out there. Hey, Sith like, Lords um, have needs too. It seems like it. They're not as celibate as the Jedi, it seems. But, you know, it's not a bad idea. And it is good because some of the, the best scenes with Rey is when she's, like, conflicted about anger. She gets really angry. And the, the bit with the ship where she shoots the Force lightning is, is, like, one of the best moments in the film. If you had... If, if it played it off mm. right, and for two movies, in the background of the movies, you'd have... These little bits, if they had any form of consistency and they had these little bits of yeah. Palpatine in the background building up to this one moment where Ray uses Force Lightning and you'd be like, oh shit, that's the, that's the guy, the guy who uses the Force Lightning to, to oh my god. But no, you me- no, it's not that. Remember how much I, I shitted on The Last Jedi? Remember, remember that whole Rose and Finn part? Rose is just like a yeah. side character now. Like, she, what was the she, purpose of it? Well, was he? The, was the, was, this is, was this Ryan is, Johnson just I, wasting money? Is that is no, that, no, no? It's absolutely the opposite. George knows it's it, it, it. Even Star Wars is not a defender. Is not able to overcome social backlash. I think it's it's important to note that this movie managed to piss off both the haters and the lovers of the Last <laughs> Jedi, because yes. between our group, like I'm I'm the one who liked the Last Jedi, but we're actually going to have I, an easier time talking I, about this I have, one. I have I have come over to liking the Last Jedi, not based on this movie, but based on a third rewatch of it. I'm wondering how fast that happens nowadays compared to the '80s when the Empire was like slapping around everyone's favorite heroes back then the franchise was younger there was less attachment to it but there also wasn't internet communities of people who were going to post really really long easily accessible essays about why why a franchise doing something self-critical is is bad apparently like i it's the biggest problem is that it's just such a waste of the ability to create something interesting instead of instead of panicking and like leaning on nostalgia like you can have the nostalgia there's nothing wrong with it at all like it's totally okay in the universe to bring back characters from what is beloved movies the problem is is you can't just deus ex machina drop them out of nowhere to fill the glaring potholes that what that the inconsistency of writing one movie and then having someone completely change it to then trying to rewrite history and basically just there's skip episode eight. There's so many more interesting ways they could have gone with it. Like the first order just crops up out of nowhere, and and in the original trilogy, like we have this grand political tragedy of how a republic devolves into fascists. In this movie, we find out that the fleets are literally manifested by ghosts out of nothing. <laughs> like there's no human element to that. Even as as sloppy as the prequels were, like you at least had a tragedy to put together behind the scenes that that gave some coherency to why why the empire exists here i i don't feel it's like killing robots you don't kill they're just robots if if these are ghost star destroyers they're blasting away then it feels like it doesn't matter if they're blasting them away it's 
I don't know. I still would rather watch this movie as a movie than I would watch prequel one and two. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think, the most surprising thing to me is that given the fan consensus and the tomato meter right now, I was actually expecting this to be the worst Star Wars movie. And I'm happy to say it's not the Phantom Menace. (laughs) I don't think (laughs) it is that bad. I think it is maybe worse than episode three, but I'm not sure. I'm wondering if it's actually better than Return of the Jedi. <laughs> that is not true. I, I I think I might. Well, for me, I've always liked the first one. It was like a good popcorn movie. Like a lot of people hate it. And, <laughs> that's what and I, think I, this I don't is. like that's Rogue what... One, but people love that. So I like my, that's my, that's my taste. Oh, right. I didn't I, like I The Last Rogue Jedi. <laughs> I thought there was a lot of boringness to it. A lot of boringness. The, the best part of Last Jedi was uh, Rey and Kylo talking to each other. And then they took that best part and they used it in the third one, which was great. And that's the best part yes. of the third one. Nothing yeah, else matters but the, like, the light and dark side. It, only the Jedi stuff matters in the Star Wars in the Star Wars trilogy now. Like, that's, that's it. Seeing them mess around. It's like J.J. Yeah. I said this on Twitter. It's, it's like J.J. played a bunch of... Um, of the Star Wars games, like Force Unleashed and all that. Force Unleashed especially. Like, they're just doing anything. They're jumping through the air. They're grabbing transports. Like, that's nuts. Like, at the end, he shoots a... Light skipping. (laughs) What is light speed skipping? Yeah, yeah. And there's, like, um, Palpatine does that, like, um, um, electricity thing at the end. Where he's, like, basically a god. Like, I, I don't, and Ray just I don't like, understand eh, how eh. <laughs> it just like it just bounces it back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how the first order, like the first order, must be like the best, most efficient technological unit because the second movie is entirely based around a standoff in space where they can't jump to light speed because they'll track them. But if they destroy the tracker, they can do it. But then in the th- in the this movie now, for some reason, even Tie Fighters can cheap, like cheap ass tiny little Tie Fighters can, tra- that- can track you through light speed while you're doing something called light speed skipping. So I, I <laughs> I'm like okay, <laughs> sure. But you guys like realize this is what happens when you stretch things out across this many sequels and this many directors, and it's it it, it feels inevitable. I don't know if there's. Did this happen in the Marvel movies? No. Did they? No. Did they this have bad. this much problems no. being consistent over the decades? Marvel. Marvel is at least a good popcorn movie. Like it's never. It never gets to DC levels. You know, you're not going to see Joker visually, come out with like face tattoos. You're just not going to see that. Yeah. Visually, I still think this movie is worth watching in the cinema. Like. The sound, if you watch it in IMAX, the sound and, like, the latter half of the movie, I can't deny that it's visually really fucking stunning. All those ships, Exegol, like, the throne with all the Sith chanting Jewel of Fates. I'm like, ah, I want to dislike this movie, but what's on screen right now is, like, kind of, like, giving me the chills. And like when the you know when Sidious like fucking his face melting and all that kind of stuff, you're like yeah, fuck yeah. But I, then the movie ends, and you I have like, to think about it. Like that sci-fi like 
um, he's attached to this machine and he's like floating. Yeah, yeah that, like was, that was, that was, that was, that was I was like, ghost. oh yeah, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Do it. Strike me down. Strike me down. <laughs> Become think- the Empress. <laughs> I think all this Sith will embody me. <laughs> I I think the biggest problem is that whether or not you liked the previous movie, whatever assumption you're making from that point on, J.J. Abrams plays things too safe. Yeah, I think really? as Matt said, like it's I agree with Matt around. that <laughs> Jedi has there, never there done a- that in the movie. Like they're just going nuts. I wish there was another. I wish there was more uh, fight with. Dark Ray, but yeah, I, I love yeah, the yeah. I, that yeah. just came out of nowhere and went like so I many stuff in the second half because that looked cool. Like she just appeared, and then it she had like a it, it folded, and I'm like, folded, where's the like rest of it? Use that. Oh. It's like all the all the new Jedi, all the new Jedi, um, no, no the new Sith have like these weird um, lightsabers, and I wanted to see more of that. Yeah, it sucks. Once yeah, again, that's, Knights Knights of that's, Ren as well. Like they're in the film, but they get like five minutes and then they get fucked up by Kylo Ren anyway. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, those it, scenes it, where you know Ray is just like Ray and Ren are kind of like transferring things through cool. through the Force. Like that, like that's weird, and I like that. It's I just weird. wish there was more of it, the, and it was just the, kind of like a because like. In in the in the second one, you find out that the kids are force sensitive, and then nothing was said about it in the third one. Like, there's so many loose ends. Uh, Finn, oh, I got something to tell you, Ray. And then he goes inside of the quicksand. You remember that? And yeah. do, you, the, do, you know, do you know what J.J. Abrams said? That is do, no, yeah. I I read the article about it's bullshit. Force sensitive. Wait, what? Okay. No, I didn't. Okay, uh, so so we're all dying, and you know this girl that you've been like you really care about you're like oh wait a minute ray before we die before we suffocate i'm force sensitive (laughs) come on man that's such that's why they cut it because it's such bullshit it's so stupid yeah i think so if if he said that i would have been i'm force sensitive i'm force sensitive (laughs) it's not that i love you See, I thought there was so, going to be a little love triangle. I thought Poe liked Finn, and Finn liked Rey. That that happens in the first half of the movie, and I feel like the first half of the movie has a lot more interesting hijinks than the second half, which just kind of goes down a checklist of stuff the kids are going to want to see happening. Yeah, but that's it, the problem, is the first half of this movie, Rise of Skywalker, no matter what you think of it, is utterly pointless. They, they It all accumulates in... Ren crushing the the Sith holocron thingy anyway. It's absolutely pointless. It is pointless, pointless but it's it's entertaining. That th- see, this is like I I feel like the most disappointing thing about the new trilogy. I did like the Last Jedi, but both the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi and this one mirror the beats of the OT uncomfortably close. And Return of the Jedi has an extremely long adventure in Jabba's palace, but the hijinks are interesting. And mm. then Return of the Jedi goes down a checklist of toys to sell to the kids, heroes coming over evil, uh, some things going wrong, but yeah. the plan's still more or less going the way they originally planned in an earlier <laughs> briefing scene. Luke gets tempted by the dark side, gets real mad, brings the enemy back to the, the good side. Then you find out that Palpatine's the real bad guy, and, and they zap each other, and the Ewoks have a party. <laughs> the Ewoks have a party in both movies. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I um, don't know. I mean, 
the Ray and Ren arc through the three movies, I think, is still actually pretty good. I like where both characters end up from where they started, and I feel like they go through a thing. And, like, the one thing that's kind of cool about this movie is that Ben's redemption doesn't feel out of nowhere. It took, like, two movies prior of him doing and pulling and tugging back and forth between... It's a better Kylo Ren movie than it is a Rey movie. I the feel trilogy. like the yeah. kiss, the, the, the smooch came out of oh, nowhere. Oh, God. Though. That came out of nowhere. I, yeah, I knew it yeah. was... Come on, you knew it was going to happen. Was I was so in my coming. chair like yeah, this. Yeah, it was definitely coming. I was like, and my friend was like, what's happening? <laughs> I was like, I, they're going to kiss, and then he's <laughs> going to die. <laughs> That's I mean, what the happens. sexual tension... The purposeful sexual tension between the two of them uh, was palpable for the whole of The Last Jedi. Come on, so, man. Yeah. Yeah, he was no shirt I didn't on see it. with his wide chest. Oh, man, he does <sighs> look good, let me say. But yeah. Adam Driver can shaft me. I didn't know there was sexual tension between them until this one. Really? I completely missed it. It flew right over my head. <laughs> George missed it. Of course, George missed it. <laughs> In The Last Jedi, he's like, touch, touch my hand. And she's like, I want to. <laughs> but I want to touch Ben's hand. Yeah, but Ben's I'm like, ben. I'm a socially awkward, nerdy white guy who can't tell when people are flirting with me anyway. So <laughs> so how how would I be able to tell it from this, this subtle ass mind control body language? Oh, I'm so sorry that they never just flat out say I'm attracted to you. How are you supposed to know George, otherwise? George, George has been on like so many dates like when the girl just like... <laughs> The girl doesn't doesn't like kiss you. That means she's not into you. You just say, "Oh, all right. Uh, yeah, I guess you had a good time. All right, bye." No, no. Especially these days. Especially that's what that means in 2019. You know what? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yes, audience. You may think you just heard a 74 year old man, but I can confirm, looking at the webcam, he's still only in his 30s. <laughs> 30s multiple 30s oh okay never mind let's not talk about that uh what else uh you guys want to keep talking about rise of skywalker or move on to mandalorian no i think we're good so i think we're good uh, right? uh we enjoyed it right <laughs> I, I i mean i would not see it again i was entertained through the first half through the second half it was more like i was smirking and giggling and shrugging at the screen <laughs> But I guess, like, is the thing is, there's there's tons to gripe about. It's still not going to be as bad for us as the prequels are. Nope. But what's really weird happening in the world right now, though, is that the younger kids who grew up on the prequels are now defending the prequels and trashing the sequels. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so does that this, mean that yeah, 10, 15 sequels? years from now, are there going to be a generation of kids who are going to grow up unreasonably defensive of the sequels? And Yes. Definitely. I, I, I just, I'm pretty sure Star Wars is just is permanent at this point. I would still say that <sighs> this trilogy, com compared to the prequels, considering what a history has done to Star Wars, has been kind of a success. But it makes me like want to shake my heads around and be like, what the fuck do you people even want? They did what everyone was complaining about so much in the sequels. They they have they got rid of all that green screen. They made the actors run around and emote and have action and had like back to simple, non-political, mythical plots. 
and that's that that still wasn't enough for some of these fans. I wish the only thing I wish is then when when Ray reached that that Sith place is that Jar Jar Binks came out as the Sith. If George Darth Lucas was writing it, Jar -Jar. that's what actually would happen. But all these yeah. kids think George Lucas is the genius and Disney are the dummies. Nobody quite understands just how dumb George Lucas was while making the prequels. It's like he cut his own balls off <laughs> and ate them. Did he season them? Like, are we talking yeah, about raw? I, I, I mean, with like sprinkled John. Is, is 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 that where blue milk comes from? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Mate>. <laughs> Ryan Johnson, man. Oh. Speaking about getting mad about Star Wars, you guys want to move on to The Mandalorian now? Sure. It is the way. It is the way. I, I think this is the way. Yes, like, spoken. Star Wars. Simple. Uh, mythical. Um, um, Video game based. <laughs> quest lines. I, I really was not expecting to like The Mandalorian as much as I ended up doing, but I feel it's like this is Star Wars. Game. No, it's because of Baby Yoda. Without Baby Yoda, Mandalorian it, Baby wouldn't Yoda. be anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Baby Yoda. I can, can, can we agree Baby Yoda is literally the most adorable thing? I mean, it's cliche to say now. It's like a little puppet. I, considering and he, I also <laughs> it's really, so adorable. really liked Mountain Grandpa, who was escorting him to Baby Yoda, and like I the Jawas so had a had a feeling oh, yeah. of magic and <gasps> oh, mi mystery around oh, them too. Oh, oh, oh. Wait, one thing, one thing. If we're talking about Baby Yoda, I do want to go back to Rise of Skywalker for uh, the briefest of seconds to say Babu Freak. Yes, was also really adorable. Yes, Babu Freak was really. I was adorable. giggling. That was an entertaining hijink from the first half. <laughs> he and Baby Yoda are like, oh, this, the, the, oh, so they're cute. almost tied, but I think Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda edges it. So Star Wars is is hyping up this final tr end, the conclusive finish of the Skywalker saga, even though Star Wars is still churning along with an entirely new section of the universe, just fine with the Mandalorian. Two spinoff movies just came out. They're they're. I don't know. Are they have they finished running Rebels yet, or is Rebels still? Rebels is finished. Point is, there's a lot going on in Star Wars right now. We have multiple cute green alien baby characters at play, and uh, yeah, the the whole cinematic climatic finality of this movie completely fell flat because I was watching The Mandalorian a couple nights before. But yeah, I, I was not expecting to like side stories about simple, brutish, meathead characters like Mandalorians, but it ends up depicting the universe from their perspective in a way that I think is really interesting. And that's one yeah. where where there's like a noble conflict behind the simple contracts of bounty hunt. Everyone else seems to think that bounty hunting is a comp more complicated profession than the Mandalorians do. And uh, knowing that they, they use their bounty huntings to contribute to a communal fund back home gives them this kind of Viking raider type feel. Like like they accidentally got introduced to sci-fi technology and intergalactic trade while they were in their Bronze Age or something. There's there's a sense of community and, and like nationhood among his clan that was really interesting to hear him talk about with that lady. I, I, I have a question. In episode... Wait, did you guys see episode four of Mandalorian? Yeah. yeah. Um, was that the one with the shrimp farmers? Which one has the shrimp farmers? That's the fourth one. Yeah. Yeah. Was that a lady Mandalorian or a lady in Mandalorian armor? She was in the Mandalorian. Wait, where? 
The one who makes his armor? The, the one he wrestles with and yeah, has like a little bit of tension with. She's not a Mandalorian. Okay. So so she's like really, really good at fighting and is wearing she's armor a awfully similar said, to him. She said she was a resistance fighter. And they do a bit of characterization around the First Order cropping up so fast. There's a line where they're like, oh, well, shouldn't you report these bandits to the Republic? And everyone laughs and is like, yeah, good luck with that. They're... They'll, they'll never solve the problem. So you get the vibe that the New Republic might be, be a, a weak, ineffectual government. But but they say that even about the... the they say it about the Empire as well, right? Because when he goes to visit Werner Herzog, he, uh, mm. he's like, yes, the Empire wants this. And he's like, there is no Empire. He's like, what do you... Like, there's nothing of you guys left. So it's kind of like, I think, in that period of limbo where the, the New Republic that rose from the ashes of the Death Star exploding... And the Empire becoming the First Order is kind of uh, happening. So both were kind of in limbo at this point. So I guess it'll be interesting to see what is one of the most questionable inconsistencies <laughs> of the new trilogy from the perspective of someone who who Wait. might have a better vantage point for what that's, that, that looked like on the grounds of the universe. Wait, the Mandalorian is... After the Death Star, it's it takes after, place after, yeah, after the things. OT and before the ST. Wait, it's not. That it's doesn't make not any Baby sense. Yoda, and it's not Boba Fett. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This so is. So he's a Mandalorian, and that is a Yoda. <laughs> I don't know if Yoda <laughs> species doesn't have a name. Right. We, we've Yoda. seen Yaddle, and we've seen Yoda, and now we've seen this baby. <laughs> Everybody one of them. forgets about Yaddle. <laughs> Maybe this is Yaddle and Yoda's baby. Maybe Yaddle Maybe. and Yoda banged, and this is their fi- fifty years ago, mm. and this is their the fifty mm. year old baby. Good it was. Mm. <laughs> I, I guess also this is like why Yodas and Yaddles are so old and wise is because. <laughs> By the time they're fifty, everyone's still treating them like a baby. So, mm, so maybe they they get a lot it of was. a lot of wisdom. Okay, <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of wisdom early on. <laughs> yeah, it takes place before the sequels, but in the uh, it's five years after the Luke blows up the Death Star or something. The Battle of Yavin, I think, it's five years after that. It's also an interesting dynamic that the wreckage from the original Star Wars sustains these people for decades. Yeah, like all the junkers and scrapyards and stuff are based on just massive crashed Star yeah. Destroyers and stuff. Like, like Ray grew up scavenging out of an old Star Destroyer crash site. <laughs> and So I didn't uh, like The Mandalorian after the first two episodes, I want to say. Oh... Was, I had to get used to the very slow burn of it. I didn't like the Jawa episode. It's very well. It's made for kids. I feel like the first, only the first scene was Uh, like, oh, it might be a little adult. Then it's just made for kids. Congratulations, you discovered Star. Yeah, it's made. What's what's hard about growing old as a Star Wars fan? Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that necessarily, but I understand what you mean in terms of it doesn't take too many risks. But, like, I saw episode four with the Shrimp Farmers is when I really started to like it because I got on board with the whole video game quest systems of the the, the TV show. It doesn't have an arc. It, it, it has Mandalorian protecting Baby Yoda, and that is its story. But that story never progresses. 
So then you just have to enjoy the Stargate SG-1 style episode. Well, I, I want to find out why the Empire wants uh, to experiment on a baby Yoda. Why would they not want to experiment on a baby Yoda? Yoda just died. They know who Yoda is. But that's a question that's going to keep me going. I want to know what teenage Yoda looks like. Like, what, 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 is it, what, what happens when Yoda learns how to curse and stuff? <laughs> He's also 50 years old, which is excellent. That is so good. I love that line in the, in the, in, with Werner Herzog's like, the target is 50 years old. I can't tell you more. And then you find it. <laughs> it's just a tiny little baby. I, I also want to know more about that lady with the French, the shrimp farmers. I do have my suspicion she might be a lady Mandalorian because her and him know the same fighting moves. But uh, the the people who are Mandalorian, Mandalorians are religion. They're not a race of people. Yeah. Huh. So they could be anybody under the the masks. Yeah. Like uh, in the sixth episode, they say something about him being like a Twi'lek or something like under his mask or something like that. They're like, oh, I bet he's like, da-da-da-da-da. So anybody can be a Mandalorian. It's just the religion, right? Yeah. So so any, like, bipedal, humanoid-looking alien qualifies? Probably to, not even So long that, as it anybody. fits that armor. Just, yeah, I think so. As long as you can get a T-visor over your head. Have you seen the sixth episode? No, I stopped at four. Oh. Matt, have you seen the sixth episode? That's my favorite episode. That episode, that episode rocks. Let me see. What 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 was that one? The one that has Bill Burr in it. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Uh. And it has Richard Owade from the IT uh, crowd as a a, a droid. Ah, uh, the IT crowd. That that episode that episode is my favorite. I I, so just, I I didn't like the pacing of it. Like it's just like when they were trapped on there. And the people were supposed to be coming Don't for them, the and then they were just yeah. running around fighting each other. And it's just like, wait, I thought like the enemy was coming, but apparently not. Apparently, they can wait it until did? the end of the episode to give the tracker to the guy for like, <laughs> like it's just like it was just weird stuff like that. Just kind of weird me out with the Mandalorian. I still enjoy it. I'm still watch it because of Baby Yoda, but like some of the stuff is just really like. A little off. And of course, episode three, the girl that should be Wonder Woman and not 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 Gauld, whatever her name is. Swole girl, man. And that's that's a girl who trains, man. That's what I'm talking about. Wait, are you talking about who I yes. think is yeah, the Mandalorian the girl lady? Talking about who fights? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I like oh, her. That She's the cool. Fourth yeah. or third episode? It's for Mandalorian teams farmers. up with an ex-soldier to protect a village from raiders. Okay, so I have questions. Is that questions. the third episode or the fourth? It's one? the fourth. It's the fourth. Oh, and right, and okay. I have questions about the the incredible poverty those people are living in. Uh, <laughs> how how is there a community in the Star Wars universe of of humans who have contact with the intergalactic community but don't have electricity and plastic and running water or like permanent how buildings do, how do people in uh parts of america live in poverty yet are part of america george is used to his privilege over here how did Luke grow up on Tatooine and had to scavenge and also live on no, a moisture farm? This is actually my basis of comparison. In the first movie, we're given an establishment that the people who are living on the edges of the Empire in the backwoods 
have electronics and droids. They can buy robots and and no, but we're assuming have... we're we're assuming the the Mandalorian is like the outer rim, right? It's like it's like off the Empire's grid. Like there are areas. This is the one thing I don't think Star Wars explains very well in terms of its canon. But for the most part. What the Empire and the Republic control is actually kind of not that big a part of space, like the the inhabited worlds. And like the further you go out of the Outer Rim and stuff, the less you see of the Empire and the Republic. So the more like the Mandalorian's <laughs> trying to escape, the more he's going out towards where Exegol is, which is where Sidious is in Rise of Skywalker, the the further away you are from the reach of the Empire. So if these people are living like out in the God knows arse end of nowhere of space. And it doesn't surprise me they're not connected to technology. And they're they they have like three metal pans. They're living like the Stone Age. They live like the Ewoks, but it's made explicitly clear that the Ewoks have never seen that technology before in their lives. But these are like they, they speak the language, they they know what spaceships are, yet they don't have flashlights. You know who also doesn't have flashlights? The Witcher. Ah, good segue. Good segue. <laughs> We've talked about so, yeah, Star Wars. Wars. And he can see in the dot. <laughs> An hour of Star Wars is going to segue us into probably not a, nearly as much Witcher. But it's almost, it's a very similar feeling. Another Netflix series made out of a property we, we follow. Because we're A good dorks. property. Um, uh, uh, I, yeah, I, I didn't know if I, I was going to I have mixed like feelings. Henry? Oh. Is his name? <laughs> so Henry? Wait, 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 wait. Oh, you're talking how about many, Henry Carter. How many episodes each are you two. both through? Two. Watch two last two. night. Okay, so I'm the furthest ahead. This is great. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> how many episodes, Liam? Three, but I think the third episode is the best episode so far, so I kind of yeah, just... Good, <laughs> good, okay. First, I was a little lukewarm on. Second, I was like, all right, they seem to be going in a good any direction. Yennefer so that's, yeah, that's yeah, good yeah. to hear. In, in part three? So Yennefer yeah. progression? In part three, because I know what's oh, going to happen oh, to Yennefer. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure oh, out. Oh, baby, yeah, Yennefer's not hot yet. <laughs> it is. It no is. Spoilers. Uh, People may you, not know the witch's story. <laughs> you, you, uh, you, you don't know what's coming yet. Okay. Third good. episode has a lot of Yennefer. Has a lot of Yennefer doing Yennefer things to become Yennefer. Oh, so, uh, weird. Yeah, weird. weird. That's so, but weird. it has like Geralt actually doing a quest. That she has Geralt doing what he does in the video games, which is okay. kind of like the Mandalorian. <laughs> he does a quest from the start of the episode to the end. He interrogates people, like he finds nice. out about their backstory, and then he fights the monster. It's it, the ep- episode three so far is the best one. Like the first one, I was like, oh no. Is this TV show bad? Oh no! No. And then yeah. the second episode was like, eh, it's all right. And then the third one, I was like, okay, yeah, they they go they're going places. Now. I had the opposite the- reaction. I thought it was gonna be bad. You said when I saw it was Henry, the the, the Superman <laughs> from uh from the DC. I was like, oh no, this is not gonna be good. But he actually, it's not too bad. He's like good. you get used to his voice. No. And stuff like it was like okay, I, I get it, I get it, and I actually like his voice. Yeah, it almost sounds overdubbed or something. Yeah. Like he's way closer to the mic than everyone yeah. else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like down his mouth. Right? There are <laughs> there are there are definitely times where he tries to where you can see he's doing the voice on set, 
But when he does it, because it's a certain tone that he he can't reach often, he he's like, "Yeah, you're gonna call the witcher." So he's really quiet. <laughs> so they so, so they obviously had to bring him, bring him into the studio to have him dub it. So then. It, the, the the audible level of how much he opens his mouth versus how much audio that comes out is so in out of sync, it's weird. I also just want to point out that because of latency, Skype compressed what you said in front of the mic into a beautiful mess. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like complete gibberish and was wonderful. <laughs> Amazing. I yeah, uh, for two episodes, I, I, I would say I like it. Um, I... I yeah didn't really like the whole Siri uh, um, start. It was a little off. She's a little destiny. Off. A little off. Yeah. Little also, off. like, all the stuff with, like, Yennefer and, like, uh, Renry or whatever. The first, it's like, the... Renfrey. Renfrey, like, the girls of the apocalypse or something. It is not good at explaining that. It's so, not good at that. So what is going on here is that we're watching an adaptation of short stories from the first two Witcher books alongside a more expanded, slightly original version of backstories that get into in the later books. And you'll notice that the original stuff goes a lot slower than the adaptations. I was, like, thrilled at seeing Geralt prance through those fields in episode two with dandelions strumming behind him. It looked exactly like what I was picturing from the books. But the other stories that were going, that it cuts to from the sides, that, besides that, are not that related to it. And in my opinion, the good stuff is, are, are, are the Geralt adventures. The other two that cut away have yeah. some interesting yeah, so moments, far. but yeah. aren't aren't the meat and potatoes that, that like, I want to watch it for. Like the third, like the second and the third episode focus a lot on Yennefer, less on Siri, which is kind of good because it's not been great so far, but the Yennefer stuff, and it's still like all over the place. Like, what are they talking about? They don't explain it very well. They're just like, this thing is happening. What is the thing? And they use, you know, when you watch something that has so much prose in it and, the problem with The Witcher is everybody talks in fantasy prose to like an almost anal degree where they're with just the naming jargon. the towns and, and the and the places and you're like, I don't know what that is yet. You haven't been mm -hmm. there. And it wasn't until like the, where I remember I was watching an adaptation of the video game, which is when after the first episode, it takes place in Blaviken. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when and also then, I, I, throughout I kinda... the whole video game Geralt is known as the Butcher of Blaviken. And you're like, oh, when did that happen? And then you get to see it in the TV show. And then, you know, uh, Dandelion calls him the Butcher of Blaviken. And you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just like the video game. <laughs> and it, there's just a lot of, like, I stuff had, they don't piece together very well. I had kind of wished that they had started off on a, on a lighthearted story. Because the Butcher of Blaviken is the one that establishes the Witcher as, like, navigating two sides of incredibly edgy factions when like when i think of the witcher i think of him getting plastered with his friends especially his girlfriends and having like good funny wholehearted conversations like the twist is that he's not emotionally deprived he's just kind of shy and and ostracized and I, I i wish there was more humor and warmth but I see that there's some of it coming out slowly. I just kind of wish it was happening faster. I like Henry's 
portrayal of Geralt so far. And I think, like, the set designs and everything, they're not... The one thing I'm a bit annoyed about is the it's music? just not as, like... The music it's is not, not the same. Yeah, It's not... It doesn't have the same weight. But also, like, it's not very colorful. It's yeah. really drab fantasy. But yeah. if you play The Witcher 3 or The Witcher 2, it's so bright and lush. Like, when he goes to, like... He goes to Temeria in the third episode for, like, a brief day or whatever. <laughs> and Temeria is, like, this sunny, wonderful, bright town and everything. And the, the fields and everything. But everywhere's gray. Mm. Everywhere. Yeah. In fact, it's completely covered in snow the whole time. And I'm kind of a bit annoyed that it doesn't take some cues from the video games to create this really lush beautiful world it just has typical drab fantasy castles and stuff i i think the production values is the weakest link in the chain a lot of scenes look very abc's daytime yeah. special and they're, like this, <laughs> like these shots are like very like just like oh we're showing him walking on a horse across here like it's While the outdoor stuff. Di- the, yeah, dialogue. It's just like the composting, the background, yeah, the perspective. Yeah. Come on. The perspective on a lot of outdoor shots is wrong. Like you'll see grass that looks too close to the camera for how far the grass in the distance is from the yeah, camera. Yeah. Mm. Weird shadow lighting not matching up. Like you can tell which scenes are full of the green screen and which ones aren't, and that's real distracting. There's like sometimes when the acting is really not good, mm-hmm. and you're like, whoo. <laughs> is this the is this the take you're yeah. gonna go with? Oh, like, that back? Out of all of the takes you took, yeah, like out of all the takes you took for this scene, you, you're gonna roll with that one. Yo, I'm a little a little disappointed though that of all the three medias we've talked about, though none of them really seem to rise above and beyond. Like we're either entertained but with caveats, or annoyed but with some entertaining caveats depending on whether or not we're talking about the Mandalore Star Wars or Witcher. I, I just worry I feel like that I'm this... in the same place with both. Mandalorian and The Witcher, I'm kind of like I'm going to continue watching them. I'm enjoying them but they are not the next best Excellent. Thing. Yeah, neither of no. them are excellent and I, I, I'm happy it's not bad but I worry that it's going to get forgotten if it's not pushing quality up to the next level, you know? And they need to be popular because the way they're setting it up is this is going to be a long series. It's not going to be one season. I'm hoping that the first season is just going to be more rough. Now that these three intersecting storylines are getting set up, when they all meet, it should be a good format for a weekly episode Geralt adventure because that's how a lot of of the books were structured. The, The Witcher... And the side stories from the games. Oh, what if there's a Bloody Baron arc in this series? I will admit, episode three is kind of a combination of... I have, I have not read the book, so it's a combination of what happens in the Bloody Baron a little bit, but it, with a different twist, with a, a, a different character kind of thing. But there, are, I felt like while I was watching it, there were little tidbits about the Bloody Baron quest in episode three, but I could be wrong. See, I don't know how to approach this, guys. Do you, are you thinking we're watching an adaptation of the books or we're watching an adaptation of the hybrid <laughs> that is The Witcher 3 and the books? Adaptation of an adaptation. 
<laughs> uh, I think it's the hybrid. And I also think it's funny that it's now that Andre Sapowski is starting to to strike a better deal for himself with the uh, rights holders from the games. Now Ooh, that it's Netflix. pulling in Netflix money <laughs> and oh, has, has an already... Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Now that Excellent. there's a non-video game version of The Witcher, he's suddenly way more interested in, in getting more royalties. Oh my god, <laughs> man. It's funny, because I did watch an interview with him, and uh, I think her name's Lauren Hirsch, like the, the the creator of The Witcher TV show. And it's funny, you could see like his genuine enthusiasm for as much as that man could possibly ever give, which is not much, but... Uh, him like, yes, I'm looking forward to you creating my worlds and to, uh, uh, making my daughters become beautiful. And you think, man, Whoa. this dude hated the games. <laughs> yep. TV, different, though. His daughters? Well, yeah. He well, he was, like, saying something about uh, my daughter. Like, the it's like my daughter. The Witcher is like my daughter. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Okay. Why is it gotta have a ginger? Yeah, that makes weird. it a little, a little weird. weird. <laughs> My daughters. Okay. Wait. Yeah, Jennifer and Trish. You know? Okay. Why did he not pick son or just a non-ambiguous child? Yeah. Now. My child. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. My child. That makes more sense to me than my daughter. When you say my daughter, you like start wondering about whether or not you're gonna have to take her. It was to like prom. comparing something and something, like maybe two different parts of his book, like my two daughters. You're making my choose which one is more beautiful. Oh boy. That's what he said. Just wanna yeah. say that that if I ever grow up and have multiple daughters, I will love them both equally. <laughs> hey, you so say that now. We- and so one pisses you <laughs> what off. What if one? Yeah, yeah. I guess there's no one, way to find out until you try, right? What if one turns out to be space hip? <laughs> so we 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 all watched. Oh, he glosses over that, doesn't he? Yeah, I'm I'm segueing now. Not as elegant as Matt, but I'm trying my darndest. <laughs> God damn it. What? <laughs> We we all we all watched some media this week that that we have mixed feelings on what in which we're either still leaning positive or leaning negative. However, I. Love garbage, and decided before seeing Star Wars that I wanted to go see Cats. And I have never seen Cats before in my life. I didn't not really know what I was in for. Um, The thing, one of the prop. What's what's it at, Matt? What's it at? Eighteen (laughs) percent. Okay, so my whole life I had thought that Cats was an avant-garde, edgy, off-Broadway thing because of a commercial from the 90s that just had like a pitch-black scene of someone in an ugly, sewage-covered, ratty-ass cat costume reaching his hand out to another ugly-ass hand that touches it. A narrator then says, Cats. The magic, the mystery, the seven Tony Award time winner is now playing in your area at Phipps Theater, Cats. And that, and then it would have like that scribble of a title art. So I thought Cats was like a weird, horror, scary, creepy thing. And it turns out that Cats is actually a classic Hollywood 1940s style musical that at one point involves a guy tap dancing while swinging a top hat on a cane. Mm-hmm. It's two and a half hours of cats introducing themselves with musical numbers that occasionally include a little joke of cat humor, much of which involves how horny this cat is. It's incredibly weird seeing the Twitter discourse over how 
what these characters that basically look like naked people that rolled around in some glue and some fur has has an underlying horniness to it. And then I went and saw the movie. That that horniness is overlying. Like uh, they'll they'll make jokes about how sexy everyone's looking tonight and what they're doing later, and then have <laughs> dance moves where they will just spread their legs in front of the camera, and the camera will like zoom into their flat, featureless, furry uh, slabs of uh, for no reason. I don't. Whoa. Oh, dude, why? The this is your this is your like wheelhouse. You love the my demographic. <laughs> For some reason, the furries love me. <laughs> Anyways, um, so don't give is, it a bad review. <laughs> if you want to watch two and a half hours of really horny CGI cat people introduce themselves, so that they can float off on a hot air balloon and die in the atmosphere. That's the actual story. <laughs> They're all competing over who gets the right during some yearly ritual among this, this tribe of stray cats wandering around London to see who gets to sneak onto a hot air balloon and float away and die. What? And there's a romantic song about it, and, and Idris Elba is a villain who tries to hijack the balloon and steal it from the cat who rightfully deserves to die, apparently. But George... <sighs> yeah... What did you enjoy more? Rise of Skywalker or Cats? <laughs> as much as I love garbage, I'm happy I saw Cats first so that it would lower my expectations into actually having fun, some fun, through Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. I actually fell asleep halfway through Cats. I fell asleep as the, some cat was introducing themselves as the funny fat cat of the neighborhood. I woke up as some cat was introducing themselves as the edgy cool cat of the neighborhood. Then the movie ended. It's two hours of cat introductions. I can't believe you paid to watch that. Yeah, but I didn't pay to watch Star Wars because Cats was the first ticket of the night. Oh, <laughs> did you just uh, skip? You sneaky. You watch Star Wars so, for free? I had to pay money. <laughs> I, I I was thinking of seeing a third movie for... Well, wait, no, no, let me read it. No, I didn't see Star Wars for free. I paid $14.99 times two to get in there with a friend. Uh, <laughs> I, I bought a ticket for Cats, walked from Cats into Star Wars. I was thinking about walking from Star Wars into Knives Out, but decided to go home and play Astrobot and watch Witcher instead. Wait, is that like something you can do in America? Can you do that? Maybe. I don't know. Like, because, uh, like, in Japan, like, there's all no the one seats really are, stopping like, you. We have yeah, number seats now. But no one really enforces it. You're, well, oh. well, the other people will enforce it. But if, if someone, if no one didn't in which come case to the you theater, you got to empty couple spot. Down. You know, just go ahead and take a seat. Was, like, was Rise of Skywalker not busy? Mm, there were, like... 30 empty seats. It was pretty busy, but wow. it wasn't sold out. Damn. That's a, that's a lot of empty seats for a Star Wars movie. I mean, well, they it, saw it, The it, Last it was, Jedi. Okay, it's not that serious anymore. It was the <laughs> Maybe last... they all watched Cats beforehand, and they were like, I can't do this today. <laughs> it was among the, the final hours of opening weekend. I wasn't that shot it's it was busy but not sold out is is what it was i went to watch it at midnight on thursday uh the first showing in japan and it was the busiest i've ever seen a theater in my life it was damn incredible what is the japanese line for, like cinema merchandise which i didn't even know was a thing until i moved to japan <laughs> was insane yeah what is Japanese theater etiquette like? Because you just talked about how you can't walk from movie to movie over there. I mean, you're not supposed to here, but like I uh, said, there's... It's great. I mean, you 
your ticket is always numbered and you, you sit there. Hmm. Like, your ticket is always numbered as far as I know. It's numbered and lettered. Uh, you can pre-book. Easy, and it's, like, expected up. that you actually will follow and kick anyone out who's in your seat before you? Yeah. You just be like, ah, someone wasn't. <laughs> and they'd be like, ah, cool. Because, yeah, that, <laughs> that happened with Star Wars. Wow. But it it's not Why something I'm used to. They didn't do the, the seat reservations until fairly, like, past couple of years. Um, It's what? been a thing in Japan ever since I moved here. The first movie I saw in Japan was actually Force Awakens. That was the first movie I saw in Japan. So we've come full circle. Wow, man. It's so been years. at the movie theater, oh. they don't have, at the one I went to yesterday, they didn't have the movie names in front of the individual theaters. It was like Auditorium 9, Auditorium yeah. 6. And I think that's to discourage people from walking movie to movie. But I was still able to look it up on my cell phone to see which auditorium I walk into. In Japan, do they do that or do they have the movie names in front of the auditorium? Uh, they sometimes have the movie names. Yeah, it depends on how big the cinema is, right? But uh, it tends to, your ticket says what screen to go to. Yeah, because this was the first time I saw them, like, try to hide what movie was inside which screen. So I think they're Man, cracking down on what I'm... Metal Gear Solid this shit up. You're looking at information, staying behind, sneaking in. Mm. Fully stealth action. If I can save 16 bucks, I guess I'll do it. Steal 16 bucks. Yeah, you stole... Stole, man. Well, it's 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 fine. The money's going to J.J. Abrams anyway. He doesn't need it. <laughs> sure, don't. He like listen. He thought Kojima was a genius still after Death Stranding. So <laughs> Death Stranding is so much better than you guys think. It, ah, I don't know how to. It was how fine. To be the guy it was fine. I'm just podcast. saying it wasn't genius. It wasn't genius. If I made Death Stranding, if I me. Nobody, nobody, no one knows me as a video game developer. If I made Death Stranding, people would be like, oh my god, this is amazing. <gasps> this is amazing. He's a genius. No, no one would say that. No one would. No, I think there'd be a few. I would. See, I watched your video, George, about Death Stranding, and it was very heartfelt, and it was lovely, and you did an excellent job of researching into Kojima and everything, and it made, changed my opinion about how I approached Death Stranding as maybe like, oh, it's an enjoyable game for other people. But then played. I played it for an hour after. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe I'll give this a second chance. It is just definitely not for me. Like, I can't. I can't. I can't. The mission structure is too repetitive and frustrating. I I have life to live. Liam, you don't get it. You don't get it. Okay. And it's time for I'm the break. <laughs> Cats. The number one family musical in America. Cats. The world's most thrilling theatrical event. Cats. The magic. The mystery. The memory will live forever. Cats, the seven-time Tony Award winner, the once-in-a-lifetime experience, the most exciting family musical in the word. Cats at the Winter Garden Theater. Call Telecharts 212-239-6200. And we are back in the room. For more Star Wars talk. Less Jeff Keighley, more Star Wars. What did you guys... Wait, no, we... I was about to ask, what did you guys think of the show? But that's something I've been asking for the past hour and a half, right? Well, I guess there's another show to talk about. It's the Jeff Keighley VGA show. It was as expected. I really don't know why everyone doesn't shit their pants over the GDC Awards instead. 
Like, honestly, that feels like such a better use of Because they don't have time. Green Day. They don't have Green Day. They don't have Chiverches. Oh, Green Day. They don't have the uh, hot and fresh reveals for, for highly anticipated upcoming video games like Fast and the Furious Crossroads. <laughs> hey, hey, um, hey. Gears of War tactics look pretty good. Apparently, someone is uh, bringing back Telltale's name and logo from the dead to make a Wolf Among Us 2. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. But the biggest... God, just so much... I don't know if you guys actually tried to sit through it, but there were so many I commercials. At the it was beginning, all worth it. Commercial. Sekiro 1 uh, Game of the oh, Year. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Liam's Jazz at Sekiro 1 Game of the Year. I don't think the, the winner is shocked people that much i mean best um, fighting game yeah yeah i happy to see that my one of my favorite fighting game series is fighting got the warding <laughs> awarded for the wait, best wait Liam, do they have a best party game here i'm sorry I, let me see no they don't <laughs> it's almost like fighting <laughs> games and party games can cross over it's almost like shut your mouth <laughs> So it was full of commercials. Valve backed out of of the Half Life demo. They a lot a lot of these reveals seem seem very awkward. There's a whole chunk on on esports awards to facilitate the esports market and the esports investors. Whereas when you go watch the GDC awards, you just get award after award after award, occasionally interrupted by a heartfelt, detailed speech of some obscure person from the industry. Like this year, they had no. Hosted by game developers as well. They they had a speech in the middle of the show about a guy who in, the guy who invented cartridges for the Fairchild system, like a completely unknown engineer, just lost in the bowels of the industry, managed to get like twenty minutes of a spotlight. It was wonderful, but everyone shits the, their pants over these instead. I love the idea that to have a reputable video game award show, you must have. Green Day. <laughs> like, imagine the Oscars were like, we're trying to reach the kids now. We know video game streaming is popular. We're going to have, for mid-show entertainment of the Oscars, we're going to have Ninja play Fortnite for 10 minutes, <laughs> live stream it, live uh, from the Oscars. It's, so, they, it's just so odd that you can't have just video game celebration. You have to have other garbage. To fund it, and, and the downside to the GDC, I guess, is that that funding comes from the industry, but the upside is that it ends up looking like it's well-informed and made by the industry. It's meant to be any up roads through the US. Dude, Elon I mean, Musk you can't was really... there, bro. <laughs> yeah, he was there. Yeah. Sat next to, like, Hideo... Uh, sat next to, uh... uh the, the girl. The girl that everyone the, likes. Yeah. Nakamura. Yeah. Nakamura-san. Um, I remember when the I was snarking favorite. through on Discord, I asked my question of if this is going to be a big press event like E3, and as the show went on, no. <laughs> that question is, this, answered itself as a no. But this this show had like a ton. number streaming numbers that E3 wish wishes it had. And like it had console announcements. million independent streams and crazy. For, 45 million people watched this. They announced the next generation of consoles in it, and it just seemed like everyone's already forgotten about it a week later. Anyways, those next-gen console announcements, I think, are the most interesting fodder for discussion in there. And 
I still don't really know how much there is to talk about it. For the Xbox Series X, which is an incredibly awkward name, they showed a trailer for Hellblade 2, which looks good. It was, uh, a, I, it, it was a pretty cool trailer. I like uh, the, the music. Does, the it look next, for the music. does it look next-gen to you guys? Sure. Uh, yeah. yeah, I know, right? What That's is my reaction at this anyway? point. I mean... I guess it's stuff looking like toys now. You mean like, like everything art, looks uh, like The Witcher Three now? Like that's basically what's. Gonna... I don't know. She, she, uh, they. I feel like they purposely made it like straight on her face because there's a lot of like uh, lip up and down movement and eye twitching and like one eye being open and the other not being open and like you can see her gums and everything. There's like a there's a lot of like. This is what face looks like in the next gen. Yeah. This is I, how teeth look like now. I, I dug trailer. the fog effects around the torches, but yeah, it's going to be interesting <laughs> with the diminishing returns. Like going from PS3 to PS4, the PS4 launch titles kind of looked on par with PS3 titles, but with more crammed on screen. Whereas it feels like there's actually a more qualitative difference with uh, the two next-gen titles we've seen, we saw Hello, League of Legends Convergence and Godfall, which looked less uh, intense than, than Hellblade 2, but still had a lot more reflections and shininess than you Ray tend to see tracing. going on these days. Uh, yeah. yeah, ray tracing, photogrammetry, uh, and, and deferred lighting, I guess, are going to be the big things to look forward to from, from the jump. All those, all those reflections ray tracing is, is ray tracing, isn't it? Things, like, full-on real-time rendering of ray tracing could make a huge difference to how things just generally... Yeah, it's pretty drastic. I think performance as well. Like, having high-textured, deta- 4K-textured models and animations that don't stutter. Like, it's weird, because like at the start of this generation, there was a lot of arguments about 30 FPS and 60 FPS, and I used to think it was garbage... But now it's kind of inexcusable to be releasing games that do drop in frame rates and stuff like that. I feel like performance needs to be, yeah, even Sekiro. You know, like there are moments in Sekiro where it just drops down and you're like, ah, it sucks because you don't experience it as much anymore. So it's kind of less excusable than it used to be if a game was dipping in and out. Like, uh, what was it? Um... The Link's Awakening remake that had like major frame rate issues that it had to be patched, and a lot of people were complaining about that because the game looked so visually stunning, but the frame rate was all over the place. I think it should be noted too that the Hellblade 2 trailer was claimed to be in engine, not necessarily in game. The See, if it is in engine, that is pretty impressive tech. That still could mean they could render it at a low frame rate and speed it up in editing. That 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 is so dishonest, George. They would never do anything like that. Absolutely not. Dude, it's a new console gen reveal. For the past three ones, we've had straight up FMV trailers look like gameplay. Remember Killzone 2 in E3 2005? George doesn't Bull forget. Bullshots. <laughs> so the internet uh, doesn't either. Am I mad? But I like the design of the Xbox. So it's a box. <laughs> the big, um, hmm? big black monolith. Yeah. Uh, there, 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 there's going to be some questions about the design of its name, though. During the show, 
they revealed it as the Xbox Series X. But after the show, there were some interviews clarifying that they really just want to call it the Xbox. But the fact that they put the the Series X at the end of the show means that they might be releasing multiple SKUs with mid-gen skips, like a analog don't, for the PS4 Pro or the Xbox don't, One don't, X. Don't do that. <laughs> so don't do that. <laughs> the the official. The official quotes from the Microsoft representatives is, At the Game Awards, you saw that name come to life through the Xbox Series X. Like the first generation Xbox, the next one is simply named Xbox. (laughs) So this is the last one, I guess. Similar to what fans have seen with previous generations, the name Xbox Series X allows room for additional consoles in the future. Which is... Implying that they're naming it just the Xbox to simplify confusion that already exists over whether or not you're buying an Xbox One, an Xbox One S, or an Xbox One X, or, I guess, saving your money for an Xbox Series X, which is actually just a plain old Xbox, but maybe not, because they're, they are planning on doing more console iterations in the future pretty soon. <gasps> Which is actually also happening to the PlayStation 5. Doing stuff like that, having multiple SKUs of consoles, people don't realize is so detrimental to making a video game. It's it's such a pain in the ass. It'll be interesting to hear your thoughts about it, because I was surprised at how much I don't feel like I'm missing out from not having a PS4 Pro. I thought I'd feel no, me more held back than I ended up feeling but in the long run. The problem is you, you can't skirt the line where you make something like the new 3DS. Remember the new <laughs> yeah. 3DS? Where they uh-huh. had the Xenoblade Chronicles port that only people who had the new Nintendo 3DS could play. Whereas nobody else could play it because it was too graphically intensive and only the new Nintendo 3DS could play it and you'd have to have the stake. You sit in a, you skirt the realms of that being a possibility. Multiple SKUs is a pain in the ass anyway, but making it so they're different powers or they have different features and all that kind of stuff is like you're making worse games because you're trying to fit around every box. Instead of just like focusing on making the game you want to make and focusing on what your specs are and what you can do, instead of being like, well, here's our premium class video game that fits on the most powerful of things, and here's our medium version of our video game that's not so good because it can only run on the lower tier console. Just make a fucking console before you fucking like. We're gonna make a, P- a PS5 Pro. Well, you haven't even released the PS5 yet. There is a quote by a uh, head of engineering, Ma- Masayasu, Masayasu it- Ito, seemingly suggesting that Sony is planning to release a PS5 Pro midway through the PS4 life cycle, or PS5 life cycle, which seems a little early to be announcing that stuff and or planning for it. Could, could get canned, but I guess that means expect the worst. <laughs> so... That is a quote that I found that, that is exists that can be traced back to to Masayasu's primary sources. However, I found it inside of an article that turned out to be an, a, 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 another awful, terrible example of game journalism being hilariously bad. Um, these speculations on what next-gen consoles are going to look like in the box and in the gameplay is, is going to get really, really crazy over the next 
year because we're going to see mock-ups show up on the internet and people are going to fall for them and think that they're the real thing. Surprisingly, we already have good pictures of what the PS5 dev kit looks like, as if anyone really needs to care about that in the first place. But um, there's an International Business Times article, not to be confused with Business Insider, who had the previous interview. International Business Times is a news outlet that very often does publish and break legit news. They were founded fairly recently within the past decade, online only, but have had their quality go up and down over the years. There was a scandal a few years back where they got caught hiring illegal immigrants and underpaying them to translate Chinese. And I'm wondering if a situation similar to that might be what's happening here. There's an article by an author named Nika Orsorio, who's other publications I could not find anywhere, no resume, no LinkedIn about this person. And the article itself reads like, <laughs> like they either don't have a solid grasp on the English language or like it was machine generated by a bot. One of the incredibly weird claims in this article that you'd think human oversight would be able to spot is an assumption that a mock-up they saw of the PlayStation 5 was going to be the real thing when it was really a picture of a refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. This this person wrote an article uh. all about how a, a leaked mock-up of the PlayStation 5 looks suspiciously true. The only reasoning behind it being that <clears throat> let me let let me let me get the quote. Quote, we could not verify the veracity of this image, but Zung EX, who was the Twitter account that posted it, has been a good source of information, particularly about the things related to the gaming industry. Okay, based on what examples? Like, they usually throw links in to, to prior stories or prior tweets where this person has been a reliable source in the game industry. <clears throat> Quote, Contrary to the general belief that the PlayStation 5 would be released with the same design as the leaked dev kit, it seems that it will be launched with a similar design as the heavily criticized Xbox Series X. If the image shared by Tipster turns out to be true, quote, which could be a joke, parentheses, Sony's next generation gaming console could look like a double door refrigerator at first glance. So, at second, third, fourth, and fifth glances, the image is still going to look like a refrigerator. And... That should very well explain what you're looking at as a joke, which is something they wrote in the previous sentence. It's, it's really weird. Oh, no. Come on. This is a really, really weird language they're, they're, they're parsing this thing out in. Well, they're just trying to not be held accountable. They're like, oh no, whoops, oh, everybody forget, oh, it's all good. <laughs> they, they, they issued a, l a little word of correction at the top of the article, and then changed the headline to the PS5 leak that wasn't, and then kind of moved on what? with their other generalized tech reporting, because I guess this person is either not a person or someone who is cranking these things out at an incredibly low pay rate. Definitely the second part. Yeah. It is possible. Or there is it's a, a hobby, a hobbyist site. There, there is a non-zero chance that it could be written by machine. 
So then you need to start making fake images and see if you can trace it back to some Russian Russian bot site. It is it is possible to have an algorithm mad lib financial news. I wonder if it's now possible to have an algorithm mad lib upcoming video game console mock-up leak news. So long as <laughs> the bot a pointless waste of technology. <laughs> this will get him. We'll get those gamers. There's so, many, there's so many cool things you could do with the combined net neural network of self-learning computers that span the entire planet than, than get five cents of ad revenue from angry gamers clicking on a dumb fake news article. <laughs> <laughs> we could be solving cancer with this stuff. They could have their they could have all these bots playing folding at home for for like 10 oh, years yeah, every minute. Oh, yeah, home. I remember that. Man, that was a weird experiment as well. Speaking of weird experiments, we have some uh, letters in the inbox from fans asking asking where we think Kojima will go next. I wonder who picked these questions out of the box. <laughs> and that's all we have time for this week on this episode of Dan Sons. <laughs> Well, no, we still have fifteen minutes to blow to blow Kojima some more. Oh, it's been a while since you've said anything that, and the fact that it was that, I feel, speaks a lot about you. Anyways, <laughs> um, <clears throat> what, do you, what do you think I do on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Here. <laughs> think I, you think I'm here if for you the would news? Like- <laughs> If you would like to give Matt something to do on this podcast, then send an email with instructions to dadandsonspodcast.gmail.com. Yeah, yeah, we can watch him now. We can make sure he does it. I wasn't just Our watching first one, the trailers for 2019 video games. games. Games to cram before the awards show in January. I wasn't just playing World of Warcraft, you know, fishing, you know. On my, on my 3DS. <laughs> Oh, that was a Jimmy reference. reference to that is. <laughs> so, so our first question this week comes from Ala Alejandro. Given that Hideo says he hopes to make movies with the current studio in the future, which elements of his game do you think will definitely show up in the eventual Hideo Kojima movies? How far up his own ass do you think he'll go? Oh. His writing. I really, 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 far. really, really fucking hope that d- the, the movie does not have Kojima writing in it. I hope it does. He's writing. I hope it does. Uh, I want to I want to see it's that. It's probably trash. going to. I should not get my hopes up, but by god, I'm I'm still clinging to those days where where he had the fan favorite co-writers at his side. Oh, I can imagine a day. I honestly can. Like this is not shitting on Hideo Kojima, but I think it's the difference between making games and movies, especially games like Hideo does. I can picture the day where it happens. It's announced. There's a movie coming out by Hideo Kojima, his first ever movie. And then we go through the trundle of it being kind of like teased like a Christopher Nolan movie and like it's all <laughs> mysterious. Hideo's first movie. It'll come out and it'll get the same rating as Cats on Metacritic. Oh. No. Uh, I, can, I, can, I can easily see that as a, a future that will happen. Well, what, what are the things... Different about making imagine, games. Imagine asking that man to condense a story into less than three How hours. How long I, I, the scenes are going to go. It's just going to be four was, scenes, and it's going to be three hours. 
I'm hoping that making a movie instead of a game puts a candle under his ass and makes him realize that, no. that you do have to push things along he has faster. People him the genius. final, he has people calling him genius. Yeah, the final cutscene of fucking Death Stranding is like an hour long. Of a it's game interrupted that was 50 by a, few, a minute with of gameplay. Of a game that was 50 hours long. Kojima it's is not wine, George. He's like cheese. No, wait, no, no. Cheese, that's a bad example. <laughs> What's something that rots? <laughs> Everything else. Oh, you know what? He, he's Fruit. just like a McDonald's sandwich. You know, it kind of stays the same sandwich. on the outside. But really, it's not a really good sandwich after like, you know, a week or so. Or oh hours. god! <laughs> Just I wonder. I wonder if the first one will be animated or live action. Live It'll action. be live action. Hideo will be like, I'm too powerful. Do you think it'll be animation. starring Hideo? Mm, no, I think he'll make a cameo. Like he always does. Yeah, he'll Death make Stranding a cameo under somewhere. the bed. You know. Remember that? Yep. Yeah, well, I guess that about covers it. <laughs> Liam, he was under the bed. He was under the bed in Death Stranding. I know, I saw I saw. Oh, the okay, just make a shot. <laughs> Time Traveler, I mean, that was the name on the, on the email address, says, because Matt was forced to keep an extra eye on his nutrition, I would like to hear his take on what we decide to put in our bodies. What? I, for one, don't think that there is such a thing as bad food, but I sure as hell would have loved it if I was taught what and how much of it my body actually needs. What? Bad food? All food is good. All food? No, you will die eventually if you eat garbage every single day. Absolutely. You will, you will die. Everybody's different. Everyone can handle certain things, I would say, differently. If I were to eat garbage, my body will just crash some people, like my my little sister that came to visit me this holiday, can eat anything. But she's also young. But she can eat anything. Nothing happens to her. She doesn't get lower in energy. She doesn't get fat. She's nothing. Nothing. I I don't know where where oh. what happened to my genes. <laughs> no, no. What that means is that she just poops way more than the rest of us. That's that's that's, oh, that's what's that's happening what's with happening. people with high now, metabolism. Now you're gonna make yeah. me pay attention yeah. to that. Thank you, George. Yeah. Thank you. Well, well, I mean, I appreciate all, all energy and all energy in the universe is conserved somehow. If if more of it's going into her, but not staying in her, it's going somewhere else. <laughs> anyways, anyways, I would say, yo, as, as long as you're getting a little bit of everything. And you're not just eating garbage every day. You're gonna feel a lot better. You know, have have a little salad. You don't have to have salads all the time. Have a little salad a day, or have a little little fruits and vegetables every day, and I bet you'll feel a little bit better. That's that's all I'm saying. Eat your eat your burgers, buy, man. Eat your burgers and fries and stuff. But have a little buy, something. Buy buy get your vitamins. Buy a takeout. Buy a takeout salad. Keep it in the fridge every every like couple hours just just eat out of a few chunks of yeah. it that's what i do i don't even bring my food to my my dinner table or my desk anymore i don't even know why i'm still living that's what i do just do that yeah man I, yeah there, there is such thing as bad food though <laughs> you need to really go to some of those spots that are just like they literally tell you yo you might have a heart attack if you eat this 
There is some really bad <laughs> spots. Man. Oh yeah, yeah. The the American restaurants sometimes Oof. where you have to sign a waiver yeah. before ordering your your seventeen course gamer level. The body's just not for some reason, supposed to be able to take that much butter. For, for some reason, a lot of the gamer bars do that, where where they'll have a, a challenge item on the menu. Everything has to be a challenge. That's real popular in Japan, isn't it? Like food eating challenges. Oh. I've I've seen some abroad <laughs> in Japan videos where where you like if you manage to slurp a hundred noodles, oh, yeah. you, you get that to eat them free and they put your name on a plaque in the restaurant or something. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I went Anyways. to a burrito eating contest once. <laughs> Where was it? In Japan. <laughs> yep, yep. What is with that? What is with the Japanese competitive eating scene? Why why is that tiny. a thing? It's like an oxymoron. How can such a small person hmm. fit such a giant meal? Yeah, no, their entire like, it's YouTube like channels. Art. There there's that uh there there is a Japanese competitive eater who's a tiny, adorable small girl and oh, and the whole yeah, YouTube channel that. is her eating this giant like yeah, watermelon sized pool of bucket of spicy Why have noodles. I not heard of this. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Her metabolism type, probably <laughs> has uh has Is that your type? Has yes. has her in the bathroom all the time. Anyways. <laughs> I was oh man, I can't continue with this joke. Forget it. Never mind. <laughs> I'm gonna stop right there. <laughs> so our next question <laughs> yes. is from Doogly Jim. Oh my god, Doogly Jim uh, I don't know if it is Doogly Jim not or though because Johnny Cox is the email address, but Doogly Jim was the signature at the bottom of the email, so maybe it's I like an he imposter. Just read out his email address. George has often spoke about his biking trip across the country. My question for him is: Was there some source of information somewhere giving you guidance? Uh, I imagine you have to take specific routes between human settlements. I like that human settlements. You'd want to take the right road so as not die budgeting and right bike. Um, well, I can cover this. Oh. He uh, time traveled to 2019. He played a game called Death Stranding, <laughs> and then he went back in time and uh, just rode a bike. Specifically for the game, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the bike inspired me for no the the game inspired me for the bike, not the other not the other way around. Like like I said, not uh, the other way around. No, right, absolutely. So no, you're saying he no. time traveled. He time traveled. Oh, just yeah. like our the name of our um, person. Second question. A previous. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, when when I was after college and and before I started applying for serious office jobs, I I spent fifty six days doing that. Uh, look up a website called the Adventure Cycling Association for anyone who's interested listening and interested in doing this. Um, look at the Adventure Cycling Association and see if they have some resources that might plug into a feasible plan you have for this. That will be your first stop. Uh, I spent about $3,000, but that was mostly because my bike got stolen and I had to spend 800 on a new one. And yeah, 56 days, $3,000, start with the ACA. I encourage anyone who's listening who wants to do it to to give it a shot if they have the time and the money for that. Liam is dying. Uh, in the meantime, yeah, you guys, do you guys got any question while I'm just like aggrandizing myself here? I just, I just, I just had a thought, like, I watched I watched the whole of your Death Stranding video, and I really felt like a heartwarming nature about your uh, cycling trip. And I was like, "Oh, good on you, George!" And then not once did you mention that your bike was stolen. <laughs> Wait, 
Yeah, the one <laughs> night on the whole trip where I did not lock it down to something was the night it got stolen. And it, it well, was the moral of the fucking story. Right, right? I I immediately learned my lesson. Um Yeah. <laughs> I was camping at a lake in Texas and I put my bike down on a picnic table and pitched my tent next to the picnic table. And when I woke up and just peeked my head out the tent, it was just gone. I did not hear anything or see anything. I just woke up and it wasn't there. And when I went to bed, it was there. And that was the one night wait, of the whole damn trip where I did not lock it down. Wait, 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 wait. You saw it came back? No, no, no. It never oh, came I back. I, I bought a new and one. It was there. And I was like, what? No, I went to bed and it was there. And I woke up and it wasn't oh, okay. there. I you had to buy a new one. I, I called a cop over who gave me a ride around the park, just kind of looking out the window, seeing if, if my bike was in a ditch or something, and then said, well, I don't want to get your hopes up, but uh, usually we don't find these things. I'm going to have to let you out. You'll have to get your own ride back into town. Bye. I'm never going to see you again. Fuck you. He's like your own Die Hardman. He's like, so, George, I'm sorry. Your bike's gone. So I got out of the police car and then called a taxi because the cop did not want to give me a 20-minute ride back into the city after I had biked 20 minutes out to this park at the city's edge and and spent the de- next day buying a new one. And I ended up staying over at the house of the guy at the bike shop who sold me the bike. He, he gave me a bike and a place to stay for the night. And what kind of wow. great hospitality is that? I made a real meaningful... And connection. as you were walking out of the bike shop, you saw he had a new bike for sale. And you're like, huh, oh, <laughs> that bike looks suspiciously familiar. If it was the case that I was being hoodwinked along an incredibly elaborate retail bike selling reselling scheme, <laughs> then at least I left that experience with a heartwarming... Um, um, connection having been made with some of random weirdo across less. right, hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah, right. You know, for a bike. One one thing I I do wish I got more into in the video was how at the end of the trip, like you have a social network that spans the country, and and there there there's a lot of weird trailer Where dwellers the who live in the button? desert. How can I eject from this podcast? <laughs> you 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 you, you Where get is the, the experience. Experience. You just oh, oh, connecting. connecting.